You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Kick Live special edition on a Wednesday night. First time we've ever done an emergency broadcast, but I think today warrants breaking the seal on this a little bit. Nick Saban has retired as the head coach at the University of Alabama after 16 seasons. Minds across the country, all over the place. You got young fans, you got old fans, you got coaches, players, everyone struggling to process what just happened. A process, by the way, a word synonymous with Saban in his career at Alabama. I will tell you a lot of things tonight that I've never told you before, both about how I view him, the interactions I've had with him, and what I think about him and about where Alabama goes from here. So there's a lot to unpack. It's a Wednesday night. Let's just dive into it, you and I. I covered Nick Saban way differently than any other head coach. I spoke about him on this show way differently than any other head coach. There was a reason for that. One was... You're looking at the greatest to ever do it, and you know you're looking at it in real time, so you'd be a fool not to have a little bit different reverence to the tone of your voice when you talk about him. But for me, there were underlying personal reasons. Those I'll get to. But a lot of folks texted me today, did you know this was coming? Well, some people had ideas. I mean, you guess every year that he's going to retire, you'll eventually be right. Around SEC Championship Saturday, there were some rumblings, I would say throughout December, and especially this past week in both... Pasadena and then Houston, uh, there was some pretty legitimate chatter about it, but it's not like I woke up this morning saying this is it. But indeed, this was it. Announced by Saban himself today, Chris Lowe, the goat of Saban reporters, broke the story as we all know he would at ESPN. Total bombshell. You can't possibly overstate the impact this has on the industry, on the game, and on anything that he touches moving forward, the Alabama roster, everything is up in the air right now. And some other program is about to have their world turned upside down, whether it be an NFL franchise or a college football organization, because one of the best currently in the game is about to be the Alabama head coach. And I will tell you, and I'm going to touch on this a lot more Thursday night, everyone's talking about a coaching search right now. Guys, there's not much of a coaching search that's going to happen. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for you, but you may be on first base on this. They've already rounded third on who they're going to hire, and in very short order, I think you'll know who the head coach is going to be at the University of Alabama. There was shock 
when this announcement was made today, there was jubilation. Saw you guys rolling Tumor's Corner down there in Lee County, to be expected. But there was also terror, because like I just said, I think everyone looks immediately and says, oh man, Saban was the best of all time. He's gone from Alabama. However, it quickly becomes, uh, we like our guy. He's really good. And if we like our guy, they may like our guy. And if they offer this job, contrary to the popular talking point in this industry forever, which has been no one wants to follow Nick Saban, plenty of guys, alpha mentality types, would love, would froth at the mouth at the opportunity to be handed the keys to what he built there. Because here's the thing about secure, alpha-minded individuals. They don't doubt themselves. They don't doubt for a second they can get it done. I can tell you this, whether you actually agree with it or not, there are guys coaching this game today who think they're better than Nick Saban. They wake up every morning thinking, I'm better than him, and in time I'll prove it. So you better believe if they had the opportunity to take that job, it would take a nanosecond. It would take about as long as it takes me to sign my name to a piece of paper in front of me. But that's for the future. Consider the here and now. Consider what we just witnessed. If you're 20 years old, you have no clue. If you're 30 years old, really, you have no clue what Alabama was before Nick Saban. A lot of folks, the more seasoned amongst us, especially Bama fans themselves, do remember. Alabama had become an afterthought nationally. And I will never forget, I think I was on Manchester Expressway in Columbus, Georgia, when I heard that Rich Rodriguez had agreed to take the Alabama job in late 2006, December 2006. And then subsequent reports come out that, uh uh-oh, Rich Rod to Alabama is not finalized. And then the deal falls through. And then Alabama's even more of a laughingstock nationally because people say, you can't even get the West Virginia coach to come down there. And then comes January 3rd, 2007. January 3rd, 2007 was a red-letter day in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and a black-letter day around the rest of the SEC because they hired Nick Saban, and he went on an absolute warpath over the next 16 years that saw him win nine SEC championships in a span where the rest of the conference combined won eight SEC championships. But resurrecting Alabama was a chore infinitely bigger than I think anyone understood at the time. Here's the thing. Alabama had once been home to Paul Bryant, Bear Bryant, the previous best to ever do it, by many people's estimations, mine included. I grew up listening to stories about this guy. He had already passed away before I was born. Bear Bryant wasn't a person to me. Bear Bryant was sort of a legend in terms of like Greek mythology that we're taught as kids. He took on that status for me. And so I just assumed, well, um, we'll never see that again. And not only do you see it happen, But you see many of what Bryant's accomplishments were surpassed by the guy who takes the same job Bryant used to have. You just witnessed that. As a fan, we witnessed it. I witnessed it, getting to cover it in real time. I used to look at some of these sports writers that were around in the days of Bryant. I used to lionize these people. They sat in meetings and press conferences. Back then, there was a whole lot more access. They got one-on-one time with this guy. I'll never be able to do that. And yes, yes, I was able to do that. Highlight of my career, however long it goes. Highlight of my career was being able to be around this industry and be around that guy at the height of his career, have one-on-one time, have access to be up close to an incredible dynasty that was built at Alabama. But here's what you need to know. When Nick Saban got to Alabama, they were chained to the past. Alabama was chained to the ghost of Bear Bryant, and they had been imprisoned by it. 
and they had really taken on a figure of mediocrity because of it. Not because Bryant was mediocre, he was anything but that. But what happened there was an institutionalization of the mentality that you have to have been associated with Bryant if you're going to have a position of significance here, which cut off the flow of new ideas. It cut off the flow of new people. It cut off the flow of basically what it takes to keep a program sustaining at the highest levels. And instead of a a river, it was just pond water and it was doing really nothing. And when Nick Saban looked at it, he was the guy, the perfect guy at the right time to have the gravitas to say, you can have me there, but I'm coming there with conditions. And the conditions were these people that you have in positions of power right now who are happy with mediocrity as long as it comes with power and access for them They got to go. You can either have them or you can have me, but you can't have both. Alabama chose right for the first time in a long time. They chose right as if there was any other choice to make. They disassociated some people from the program. Some other folks that were very, very prominent figures in and around the University of Alabama scene all of a sudden faded into the abyss. There are names. A lot of you down there know them very well who you used to hear all the time in 04, 05, 06. and, And then 07 comes and all of a sudden there's one name. You hear down there, Saban had no ties to Alabama, had no past in the state of Alabama, but he had the gravitas to come in there and call the shots from day one. And it took one year to turn it around and then boom, they're in the SEC championship game the next year. They win the national title the year after that. And he's off and running. Nick Saban's the most feared entity I think that has ever existed in this sport. He's the most respected entity that's ever existed in this sport. And the folks who claim they didn't respect him, I wish you could see them when they were in his presence. I've been in dozens and dozens of situations, socially and professionally, where I've watched coaches walk into rooms. And then I've watched Saban walk into a room. It's different. It's different than anybody else our sport has to offer right now. It's so interesting, the dichotomy of his stature physically with the command that he didn't demand. It just came along with him walking into a room and some grizzled veteran types who have been around this game and this business for a long time were made to look like first day, you know, Marines out at Paris Island when they, their first command shouted in their face. That's what it was like walking, watching him walk in a room. And um, I think first and foremost about how he resurrected what at the time was a very, very fading brand in terms of national prominence in college football. I told you I covered Nick Saban differently. I talked about Nick Saban differently on this show than I did any other head coach. Reason number one is because I think he's the best to ever do it, and I don't think we'll ever see another one like him. But number two is a reason I really never gave you. But now that he's retired, I'll go in-depth a little bit on it. This was never a story I was telling while he was still the head coach at Alabama. There was a time in my life where things were not good at all. I had no clue who I was, much less what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. Now, here's what I did know. I knew that I had some God-given ability in this space. I had no clue what to do with it. I wasn't particularly driven to do anything with it. I was a very results-oriented thinker, like I think 98% of human beings walking planet Earth are. Saban gets hired at Alabama. I'm a huge college football fan, so it's big news for me. And I've grown up listening to stories about this Bear Bryant guy that used to roam the sidelines there in Tuscaloosa and sometimes at Legion Field in Birmingham. And I think to myself, well, he's got big shoes to fill because I was taught growing up, man, it was Bear Bryant and then everyone else. But Nick Saban 
the more I listen to him and the more I observe him, it's really powerful stuff. So he does a speaking circuit his second year at Alabama. And uh, I think they called it the Crimson Caravan back then. And so he'd go to different cities. You know, it's mainly a booster function, but you could buy tickets to it. I didn't have 50 bucks to scrounge together. I had to borrow it, but I found 50 bucks to get a ticket to get myself inside the Columbus, Georgia Convention and Trade Center. I listened to Nick Saban probably talk for about 45 minutes that night. Totally changed my life. I'm not making that up. I'm not kidding you. Nick Saban put together words in a way and put messaging together in such an authoritative and effective manner that I had never heard presented before that it totally lit a fire in me. I had never heard anyone talk about process-oriented thinking before. It was a foreign concept to me. Now it's my everyday life. Back then, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what it meant to define goals, but then also define what it takes to achieve them and find the overlap of your passion and your talent and find in that Venn diagram, that sweet spot, and then define what it takes to achieve it and then take the goal and put it out of sight and just focus on the process day by day, rung by rung on the ladder, and don't even look at the mountaintop. Don't look at that stuff. It's a waste of time anyway. If you just keep putting good days together, eventually you've gotten way closer and you weren't even paying attention to how close you've gotten. That day, still remember it very vividly, I left the Columbus Convention and Trade Center, didn't sleep a whole lot that night. I just redefined everything for myself. And I also had some other very powerful influences that came along in my life at the right time that I view as far more than mere coincidence, I can assure you. And things turned for me. And it's not like I sit here and say, man, Nick Saban had the same impact on my life as he did on a football player, as he did on a, an assistant coach that goes on to become a head coach. But I will tell you, I have no clue if I ever would have begun to elevate personally, much less professionally, had I not been there that night. And it's not like Saban disappeared after that. Nick Saban you, preaches the same message over and over again and twice on Sunday. And you got to understand... I viewed that from a million miles away, just as an observer and a college football fan. Had you told me that day that you really are going to get things together and you really are going to go on down the road to enjoy a career in the sweet spot on that Venn diagram that previously you had only dreamed of occupying and you're going to sit side by side with him private sessions, off the record stuff. You're going to cover him at his very apex. You're going to see the best that's ever existed in college football and you're going to be paid to do it. Unbelievable. So it's always meant a little more to me when I covered Alabama games. It's always meant a little more to me when I've been around him because I knew it wasn't going to last forever. I think it lasted a lot longer than people thought it would when he first got to Alabama. You remember that old talking point? You remember the, as Nick Saban, he's a mercenary. He's a job hopper. I give it three or four years, Max. The way they're talking about McAfee and ESPN right now, once upon a time they talked about Saban in Alabama. Oh, what? Michigan State, bye. LSU, bye. The Dolphins, bye. You really think he's going to stay at Alabama? 16 years later, man. The, the one or two dudes out there who kept on predicting he's gone every year, they finally got it right. Half a dozen national championships later, they finally got it right. You know what was fascinating to me? What made him great was, number one, you used to always hear him say, passion is mistaken as aggression to people who are unmotivated. I could always tell what someone was made of had they been around him by the opinion they had of him. Now, I'm not talking about an Auburn or an LSU fan. I'm talking about people who are otherwise sort of agnostic, maybe in the coaching profession. I would, I would just listen. I'd ask their opinion and I'd listen. And some of them had been chewed up and down and left and right. 
and spoke about him in such a deified manner that you would think he was less than God, but certainly more than a man. And others would dog cuss him behind his back. And they'd have nothing but negative things to say about him. And over time, what I came to realize is he just operated on a different level. And people who were wired the same way are few and far between. But the people who were wired the same way, Kirby Smart's one, Sark's one. You don't think those dudes got an earful from him a time or ten? The difference is they get it. That's how they run their programs now. It's no coincidence that they got the opportunities they did because they were wired a different way. If you were wired the right way, if you were a 2% wire guy, you process that stuff a lot differently than the 98%. But if you were a 98% or Nick Saban wasn't for you, working at Alabama, coaching at Alabama, playing at Alabama, it wasn't for you. When you walk the halls of that place, you know it doesn't matter if you're in comms, recruiting, marketing. It doesn't matter if you work building security. There was a standard there, and you could feel it. As soon as you walked in the building, you could feel it. And it's a vision that's all cast by one guy. One guy is responsible for that army of people who all operate on pins and needles. I mean, you hear him coming down the hallway, whether it's the soles on the shoes or, or the jingle of the change in the pocket that signifies, that's Nick Saban. He's around the corner somewhere. The, the sudden lurch in your body and the sudden attention to detail, it's not sudden at all. You've got it ingrained in you because you work there. But I always came to realize, hey, these folks who speak less than glowingly about him, it's not that they're telling a truth the other guys aren't telling. It's that they don't think the same way these other guys think. I'm not saying he never made a mistake there. I'm not saying he never treated someone the wrong way. But I am saying broad strokes purposes. I learned how much respect I should have for a coach's mentality or a staffer's mentality. It, had they worked with Saban, by the way, they talked about him. A bunch of them would say, hey, I, I didn't love every day. And there are things that I wish he'd do differently. But then that always followed up with the but. But it was life-changing. I owe this, this, and that to him. He's always ahead of the curve, man. To me, what made him great, part two, was he was, Nick Saban was ahead of the curve at every point in his career. You think back, and I'll give you the evidence in a second because it's right in front of your face, but think back to how many changes, fundamental in nature, that he made to that program. They never dipped below a double-digit win season. I think he had 15 of them, 14 of them in a row, never fell off the top spot in the sport as a program. He made changes at the foundational level of his program multiple times and never took a step back. You watch coaches all the time. Some of them have won championships. There's one in Clemson, South Carolina right now. Got a couple under his belt at the expense of Saban, who's learning. You do not retool or rebuild a program on the fly and stay at the top of the sport. You, you do not see the apex predator change everything about himself and remain the apex predator, except this guy at Alabama was able to do it multiple times. You look at the, since 2008, you look at the seasons he rattled off and you got a bunch of national championships in there. You got a bunch of SEC titles. You got 19 let me make sure I have that right. 15 more first-round draft picks than losses at Alabama and had to retool several times. Don't forget, this guy was hiring new coordinators every other year. Total staff churn every other year because coaching at Alabama was the golden ticket and folks went there in some cases with a mercenary's mentality themselves that I'm going to serve my one, two, or three years and then I'll be good. And you know what? Had they been wired the right way mentally, most of them were. And so you're having to reinvent your program every year, but there were certain core principles that never got reinvented. 
certain core principles, that standard was never lowered. Bar never lowered. Didn't win a title every year because it's not Xbox, but the bar never got lowered. And to me, because he was able to do that, it ruined the sport for many others. There are coaches, I firmly believe this, there are coaches who would be remembered as icons in their own right had they done nothing more than existed in an era other than one that was overlapped by Nick Saban. Nick Saban took all the oxygen out of the room, and he also took reasonable expectations for other programs and threw them in a blender. And so you got guys who lost their jobs. I think about Mark Richt at Georgia. I think about how history would remember him differently had Nick Saban not existed. Saban just stays with the Dolphins, or Saban just goes somewhere other than Alabama. I mean, Rick is one, but over 50 coaches were fired in the SEC, not counting interim head coaches, by the way, in the time Saban was there. What does history say differently about Phil Fulmer if Nick Saban doesn't come there? How's Tommy T- is Tommy Tuberville in D.C. right now? Is Tommy Tuberville still at Auburn? I could go down a long, long list of guys who had their lives changed for the worse because this guy showed up in Tuscaloosa and decided, all right, that's the place I'm going to dominate for the next 15 or 20 years. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I also know a lot of you are wondering what he's going to do next. Certainly the conversations about what's next for Alabama, but I I know a lot of you are wondering what he's going to do next. I've had it on uh, pretty reasonably understood authority that for a long time there has been a spot waiting for him on the college game day desk. Don't know if he wants it. He's done a lot of TV work. He's very good at it. I also wouldn't be surprised if Nick Saban did something in pro football. 
I'm not talking about on the sideline either. Nick Saban's a guy who has his hands in several businesses. He understands how football works from an operational and financial and, and business perspective about as well as anyone who doesn't have GM in their name. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he wanted to go the more business-minded route in the pro game. Think about his mentality. Think about looking around at the college game and saying, well, if we've professionalized this game to the extent where we have free agency here now and we have to have a salary cap and we have all these things that I had when I was with the Dolphins, maybe, you know, maybe that's the route I want to go. Maybe I want to test those waters down the road. I have in my hand right here, talk about a paper popper, I have in my hand right here what we call a one sheet, and that's the stuff that you need to know about the topic you're talking about, and Saban's one sheet is actually too big to fit on a sheet, not surprisingly. 44 first-round draft picks at Alabama. He was 206-29 and in his career there, and they lost six games his first year. So he stayed there 16 years and didn't even lose 30 games, and that's counting that first year where they had to totally reinvent the program. Most wins as a number one team, most wins versus number one ranked teams, 16 straight double-digit win seasons. Alabama has not lost three games in a season since 2010. They finished top 10 in the AP 16 straight years. Seven national titles are the most by any head coach. Every four-year class, Nick Saban coached at Alabama, won a national championship. Let me restate that because I think sometimes those sorts of paper popper stats get lost in the minutia. Every single kid who stayed four years at Alabama, who was recruited by Saban, won a national championship. Do you understand what that looks like on a resume? It was a dynamite recruiting pitch for him forever. And he walks out still with the ability to say, Every kid I brought to Alabama that stayed four years won a title. Every one of them. Just utter insanity. So, Deion Sanders had a tweet a little bit earlier today. I think we have a screen grab of it. I know a lot of you have already seen it. Uh, This was Aflac co-star to Nick Saban, Deion Sanders. He said, wow, college football just lost the GOAT to retirement. I knew it would happen one day soon, but not this soon. The game has changed so much, it chased the GOAT away. College football, let's hold up our mirrors and say honestly, What do you see? What I cannot tell you tonight is whether this would have happened regardless of the direction NIL took the sport or regardless of the direction the portal took the sport. But I also can't dispel that. I am of the belief that had things not changed, we're probably not talking about Nick Saban retiring today. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that College football was right or wrong to go a direction. I just think it's an open-ended conversation you can have, kind of like Dion did there. But I, you know, I've kind of hinted at this for several months now. I don't think this is the last iconic coach that you're going to see step away from the game. Now you say, Josh, well, that happens all the time. That would happen anyway. It would. I'm not talking about losing guys who are at the very end of their rope. I'm talking about losing guys who still have a lot of rope left, but they look at the sport and say, I don't recognize this anymore. This is not for me. Now, you can have that jaded mentality of, well, hey, if you want to resist progress, get out of the way. Let someone else do it. Or you can understand not all change is progress. In society or in sports, not all change is progress. And there's a lot of stuff going on in this sport right now that is change, that is not progress. It is my hope that we are working towards a place, and I believe we'll get there a few years down the road, where there's a whole heck of a lot more structure in the picture than there is right now to where coaches look and say, 
Boy, I'm glad we got here because had we stayed there for much longer, I'd be gone. I am telling you, you, it may not bother you or it may bother you a great deal. There are other very, very prolific head coaches out there, not to mention an army of coordinator types and an even bigger army of position coaches that may one day elevate to head coaching status who are looking at the structure of the college game right now and saying, this isn't acceptable. I'm gone very soon if it doesn't change. They don't say it out loud. They'll tell you behind the scenes. I've had a number of them do it with me. So I wish there was one centralized governing body or authority figure you could look to and say, get it right, or you're going to continue to lose really, really good people that probably had years left on their careers otherwise. That's one aspect. I thought that was interesting that Dion put that out. But you can't overstate the impact. This is the atomic bomb that could go off in college football right now. You've got the Alabama job open, and I don't think it's going to be open very long, but it's open. You've got one of, if not the most talented rosters in America that it'll be open season on right now from the portal perspective. You've got a building full of the highest level coaches and staffers off the field that has ever existed in college football that all of a sudden are going to go to bed tonight without the reason that they were there. And so this disrupts the entire college football ecosystem. Bama's now going to make a move and hire an A-list head coach that will further disrupt the ecosystem. And all that happening, as you thought you could take a breath, as you thought you could say the word off-season, there's always consequence to thinking that the college football season is done. It's never done. It's never done. So this right here is the keystone move of all keystone moves that could happen in college football. I am very curious how long this takes Alabama. This coaching search, if you want to call it that, how long it takes. I do not think it will take long. If it does take more than a few days, it'll be because they got told no. I was in Saban's press conference at the Rose Bowl after they lost to Michigan. And Greg Byrne came in and sat down next to me. That's the athletic director there. And it wasn't necessarily indication. He was sitting next to Nick Saban's wife. I've seen that before, so it wasn't necessarily a red flag. But in retrospect, I think back to what he must have thought. Did he know this was it? I don't think Saban had his mind made up several months ago about this. I certainly think he knew this may be on the table. But, you know, if he did know, then he kept a lot of folks in his very, very close inner circle in the dark, which is kind of what you would expect from him. So... What we have here is we've got the most iconic head coach in the history of college football stepping down. He steps down, I think, at a time that is tailor-made for him to step away. It's not that I don't think Nick Saban ever would have been able to continue adjusting. Always stayed ahead of the curve. I think he would have continued to stay ahead of the curve. But I also think what became a problem for him at Alabama is a problem for Kirby is a problem for Ryan Day. I'm not saying those are his equals in the coaching world. I'm saying there are other big-name guys at the pinnacle of their careers right now who are wrestling with some of the same things Saban wrestled with. I'm going to tell you, I have heard nightmare stories, nightmare stories from people inside these buildings of what the current state of the game is. you you got to understand what's happening right now. What happens right now is you bring a kid in, and, and you came up on a, on a, in a world... And on a, you know, a, a structure 
that was about relationship building and it was about building the best program you can to showcase, to attract recruits. And now the visit many times consists of, okay, I saw your facilities. Let's go sit me and the head coach and maybe a handler in the room or, you know, a stepdad in the room or somebody who I've known 48 months who claims to represent me. And we're going to go talk numbers. And many times, many times, the visits are set up under false pretense, and then you get kids on campus, and you walk in the room, and it's basically a shakedown. It's, Coach, here's how much we have on the table from X program. What are you offering? Well, um, Bama plays the NIL game. So does Georgia. So does Ohio State. I just mentioned those three as an example. But they have not taken a headfirst dive in, and that's what they're wrestling with right now because their thinking is, we're Alabama. We don't have to match dollar for dollar. The entire reason you're having to overspend to get kids we otherwise would get is because you're having to compensate or overcompensate in categories A, B, C, D, and E. You don't match us in. you got to match us and exceed us in dollar. And so they haven't played the auction game there. And Saban gets out, and he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Kirby's still got to worry about it. Uh, Ryan Day's still got to worry about it. Dabo's got to worry about it. Like a lot of these guys who are still in a position where they could have decade or decades left on the back end of their careers, they have to worry about it. Nick Saban walks out and says, not my problem anymore. And I think he looked at college football like many coaches do and didn't necessarily like what it had become or what it was becoming. And he echoed that sentiment for a long time. You know, but there were several other times in Saban's career where he said, is this what we want college football to be? And then you answered yes. And he said, all right. And then he went and dominated the way you wanted to be dominated. Immunity. But that's the way it was. So there's, there's a lot still that's going to unravel about this. I think you'll hear some fascinating stuff in the coming days. People who are close to him, people who are close to that program, have built up an army. Well, not an army. People close to Saban and people close to that program have built up this, this treasure chest of nuggets and stories that they knew they could never tell when he was there. But one day he's not going to be there. And it's, it's like untie the shoelace. It all comes out. I'm sure there will be fascinating books written in the future. But in the here and now, the Alabama head coaching job is open for the first time since late 06, early 07. And I think it's going to go a direction very quickly. And I think that as, as much as the recruiting class right now and as much as their roster is going to look to be in a state of flux, I think the guy who takes that job in very short order will be a magnet that's turned the opposite direction in terms of attracting talent right back there. So Nick Saban retires as the Alabama head coach, our first ever emergency late kick live. That means we'll be right back here tomorrow night to talk about it. It is been a whirlwind day and I'm sure a lot's going to come out between tonight and tomorrow night so you know where to be right here and if you've never visited us before we do this year round and we do it free of charge because we have a dedicated audience base that grows by the day and the way that you keep it free is subscribing to the channel and liking the videos or liking and subscribing to the podcast. That's it. There's no secret. There's no trick behind that. You don't get added to a mailing list. No one spams your phone. Nothing like that. You click subscribe and you're done. But it helps us continue to do this kind of show at this level free of charge to you. So, Director Colin makes his way in here on his day off. Producer Jesse lives in the building, so it wasn't as big a deal for him. I think Bradley contributed. 
in a few small ways as well. Appreciate you guys for being here and appreciate you guys for watching. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow night. Until then, God bless.